Hello and welcome to FITV's News Roundup. I'm Johnny Burke. And I'm Hannah Newton. Coming up on this week's programme, Queen's Birthday Honours, World Albatross Day and James with a butternut squash. At nine o'clock in the evening of the 14th of June 1982, the commander of the Argentine garrison in Stanley, General Menendez, surrendered to Major General Jeremy Moore. This ended the 74-day occupation of the Falkland Islands by Argentina. In a message to the Commander-in-Chief Fleet, General Moore reported, The Falkland Islands are once more under the government desired by their inhabitants. God save the Queen. This year, the traditional service to remember those who lost their lives in the Falklands War took place on Monday. In Her Majesty's Birthday Honours, Programme Manager of the Demining Project, Guy Moreau, has been appointed an OBE along with John Crabe for services to the demining programme in the Falkland Islands. Former Deputy Governor Alex Mitham has been appointed an MBE, and Pam Trevelyan, Director of Emergency Services, has also been appointed an MBE for services to public safety during the COVID-19 response. We spoke to Guy about this accolade. So the receipt of the OBE is, for me, is a huge honour, and I feel extremely proud to have been nominated I feel extremely grateful for whoever it was that nominated me. And of course, I I have no idea where that nomination came from. I'm particularly proud that it recognises all the years of work that we as a team put together. You know, I would love it if every individual member of the team could have a specific, you know, award and nomination, but that's not how the system works. I feel it's a little bittersweet that, you know, it's only really gone to me for the employed element to the Falklands because the, the efforts put out by others was you know, really, really substantial. But I feel deeply honoured, um, deeply humbled and, and very, you know, quite delighted and, and, and really proud. The Falkland Islands is home to 70% of the world's population of black-browed albatross. This migratory bird arrives in the islands to breed in September and leaves around the end of April. However, it can be seen offshore throughout the year in Falklands waters. World Albatross Day this year has the theme of ensuring albatross-friendly fisheries. Catherine spoke to Amanda Kupfer, who works closely on this subject. It's an iconic sight albatross gliding across oceans and in the Falklands we're lucky to be able to see albatross right on our doorsteps. The albatross population in the Falklands is doing really well. It's been increasing for a while now um, which is really good and because it's doing so well in the Falklands um, the the species has been downgraded to least concern basically to a conservation status, um, a a favourable conservation status um, globally. Um, So so that's, that's really exciting. Despite the Falklands populations doing well, globally albatross face a number of risks from climate change, invasive species and also fisheries. The issue of incidental bycatch of seabirds in fisheries is the biggest risk to albatrosses worldwide. Um, This is why a lot of the albatross species are in decline and threatened with extinction. Um, and that's why it's so important that you know, globally there is an effort to try and reduce that risk um, through various mitigation measures. Amanda's PhD research, which is funded by Fortuna and FIG, looks specifically at how seabirds interact with our fisheries. 
And the theme for this year's World Albatross Day is albatross-friendly fisheries and what measures can be taken to protect this species. One of the most effective ways of reducing um, interactions with trawl vessels is to just get rid of the discard. And um, there's now actually changes happening here in the Falkland Islands, which is really exciting, is that these discard storage tanks are being implemented across vessels. And that means that um, basically the waste is stored for a certain amount of time um, and then everything is being batch released in one go. And that really reduces the amount of time um, during which albatrosses are basically at risk of, of getting, um, getting injured or killed. It is hoped that the albatross face a bright future in the Falklands, but it is important that this species is protected. Albatrosses are really important because they're a top predator, and that means that they're kind of regulating everything that um, is within that ecosystem. So if we lose the top predator, if we lose the albatross, it can have all sorts of cascading effects on the marine ecosystem. In the third part of the Peat and Wetland Project, Ollie goes along with Falklands Conservation to the near pristine Saddle Island to investigate the habitats that have revealed some quite surprising results. The anchor rays, the dinghy primed and the dolphin escorts ready. Our next island on the peat and wetland investigation trip was Saddle Island. This stunning island, situated just offshore New Island, is shaped like a saddle and is primarily referred to as a dense tussock island. The island is about the size of 85 football pitchers and is owned by the Falklands Conservation, having the status of being a nature reserve. This means that there are very few visitors get to set foot on the island and therefore is one of the most pristine habitats in the Falcon Islands. Yeah, Saddle Islands, I mean, we came up to it and it's this crazy kind of, you know, you can see where it gets the name, it's like that. And we, we came up to it in the dinghy and straight away there were sea lions swimming around in the water. We got there, there was more sea lions on the stones and the rocks and there were caracara, all sorts of wildlife. And as we made our way up, we just saw more and more wildlife. It was everywhere, the birds all over the place. Um, Lots more tartic, it got very, very dense there, so we had to fight our way through, but we made it to the top again and we yeah, um, had amazing views from the top. Um, really, really amazing islands and the sun came down just as we were getting to the bottom, it was, yeah, stunning. After embarking from the Saoirse onto the dinghy, we disembarked into a small sandy bay to be greeted by curious sea lions. What was evident is the huge quantity of not only wildlife but dense tussock grass and it was the job of the Falcons Conservation's Peat and Wetlands Officer David Higgins to investigate the habitats by using a pitfall trap using a very familiar container. So we're going to set this into the ground, flush to the soil surface with the lip of here and then we'll set a tile over it as well. Before we do that we put a drop of water in and a drop of detergent as well to break the surface tension. So the idea here is we want to know what birds are associated with this peat soil, what plants are associated with it here, it's pretty much tussock, and also what invertebrates are associated with it. And then what we'll do at this is we'll sieve the insects and the invertebrates out of here at the end of this. Here it'll be in about two or three hours time. We'll put them in formalin, we'll take them back and over the winter we'll identify what invertebrates we've caught. 
We're a bit late in the season here. I'm not expecting much. The best catches we've had so far have been in boxwood habitats and not in tussock habitats. Once the trap was active, we had a chance to explore the island in search of clues regarding the soil depth and erosional history. It certainly didn't take long. Yeah, what we found here on, on Saddle Island is they've got an erosion scar heading ahead of us and behind us. It probably stretches for about 200 metres. That gives us about 12,000 cubic metres of soil that we've lost from this one patch. But the good thing is we do have tussock grass growing up behind here, so the, the peat farming process is starting again. According to a recent report, the island did have six cattle in 1983. And to get a greater viewing point, the team moved to the eastern summit, battling through the tussock grass, which revealed the presence of two small ponds. Once the pictures were taken and the video footage done, it was time to see what the trap had found. Nothing from this island, but I suspect if we come here earlier, in the summer season when everything's happening it's a bit warmer we'll get a lot more and that's that in a 2009 report by robin woods who visited the island he noted this island in its present natural state is a valuable asset to the falcon islands and it is essential that a management plan be drawn by up by falcons conservation it was this untouched nature of the island which is why it's important for this study well, we've had a really, really successful visit. The first, one of the first birds we saw when we came onto the island was a cobs wren, which has given us a clear indication that this island remains rodent free. The tussock habitat when we get up onto the top and we went right to the top of the left hill is really dense, really thick sward and fantastic looking healthy habitat. Um, up on the top, we was lucky enough to see caracara, variable hawk. And that's so we, we know if we've got active predators up here, we've got a really good healthy habitat. We had soil profiles of up to three meters along the erosion scar so we know the peat depth here is pretty solid and, and pretty deep which is telling us there's a huge amount of carbon captured on this island. This is one of the islands that belongs to Falklands Conservation. It's very rarely visited so to, to get here is really a bit of a privilege and the habitat thankfully is in a really healthy condition. And finally, James is back in the kitchen this week with some warming butternut squash soup. Hey, welcome back. Today we're going to make a roast butternut squash soup. It's a very long name, but it's actually very easy to make. All you need to do is just buy some butternut squash, which is readily available at the moment in the shops, and roast them for about 50 minutes. Uh, how did I do it? I just drizzled it with some oil and a little bit of salt and then turned upside down, skin on top, and then put it in the oven. And then we add our other ingredients. So for, for the first, uh, for, for, firstly, we need to saute some onions and garlic with a little bit of olive oil. And I like my soup garlicky and oniony. So. You can go as, uh, far as, as far as eight cloves of garlic, it doesn't matter. Okay, so heat up the oil and then onion first before the garlic. You don't want to burn your garlic. So yeah, it will... I think that's translucent and uh, soft enough. Now we can add in our garlic. So 
I reckon that's about four cloves. Let's, let's, let's just make it right. Not too garlicky this time. Because we want the butternut squash flavors to, to, to come out rather than these ingredients. This, these are just supporting actors in the main film. So there you go, I think it's ready. Now let's transfer our ingredients to the blender. There you go. Should be straightforward. And then let's scoop some of the squash. Right, and then we add our stock. So I'll just use a regular vegetable stock. And then we can save some later to adjust the consistency of our soup. And then the fun bits, we need to add some nutmeg and some maple syrup. Right, so that's it. So normally, we would finish this with a bit of cream, but one thing that I discovered with this recipe is it's much better if you finish it with a bit of butter. And there you have it, there you have it. This is the roasted butternut squash which you can serve immediately, or you can keep it in the freezer if you want. And, and you can also put a little bit of olive oil, just about a teaspoon and parsley for presentation. If you'd like to know more about FITV Life, then you can download our podcast, Meanwhile in the Falklands, which is available on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes. It's a behind the scenes look at life here at FITV Towers. That's it for this week's edition of the News Roundup. Don't forget you can watch FITV via the KTV Broadcasting Service or online through our website, fitv.co.fk. Mm-hmm.